You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Look, Guy, we have to stay strong. If you don't stand with your fellow Canadians, then you are a rat. Don't call me a rat, buddy. I'm not your buddy, friend. He's not your friend, Guy. I'm not your guy, buddy. He's not your buddy, friend. I'm not your friend, Guy. Back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and uh, pleased to be joined by Andrew Peard, who I shared the uh, broadcast booth this uh, past season with the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, Andrew, welcome back to the show. How are you? Doing well. I uh, appreciate you having me on. Uh, long-time listener and now a uh, third-time caller. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, all right. Well, since the Oil Kings' uh, playoff run uh, came to an end, uh, you got into the booth uh, once again, and you were doing some uh, – you were covering the National Junior A Championship down in Brooks. Um, now, for me, I don't know uh, much about most of the teams that were there. Uh, obviously, the Brooks Bandits would be the one I'd be most familiar with, but even a lot of the names on that club – I was unfamiliar with this year. Um, what was the tournament like, and how much did you know about the teams before you got there? Yeah, kind of similar to Yugi going into this. I uh, didn't know much about the teams. Obviously, my focus uh, this year was uh, primarily on the Western Hockey League. I did like to keep track, obviously, of the Alberta Junior Hockey League when I could, having spent uh, more than four seasons covering uh, teams in that league. And, and just like you mentioned, the, the Brooks Bandit, they, they've had a, a bunch of turnovers, so I think there's only five or six guys uh, off that team that uh, that I, I really recognize from uh, years past, but um, the the tournament overall was was fantastic. I also didn't really know what to expect going into it, but first and foremost, the organizers uh, headed up by Tyler King, uh, of course the business manager for the Brooks Bandits, they did a fabulous job with the bid to get the tournament, uh, and then once they had it uh, in town uh, over the course uh, of that week uh, last week. Um, they, they did an outstanding job. The hockey was tremendous. There was a bit of disparity early on in the week, I thought, with some of the teams, uh, specifically the Portage Terriers, who are going to be hosting the tournament next year. Uh, they had, I think, 11 rookies on their roster, and it was more of a learning experience for them, I think, ahead of hosting it next year. They ended up losing all four of their games. And then both the Ottawa and Oakville got off to the kind of tough starts. Ottawa did win their first game, but then lost the next three. Uh, Oakville, um, they ended up uh, in the semifinal after going 0-2 to start, but closed off the round robin nicely going 2-2. Two and two. But from the outstretch of that tournament, it really felt like it was going to be a two-team tournament between the Prince George Spruce Kings and Brooks Bandits. And that's exactly what it ended up being. Those teams uh, obviously playing in two different leagues. The uh, Prince George, the champions of the BCHL, as well, won the Doyle Cup against the Brooks Bandits after the Bandits, of course, won the AJHL championship. But uh, that series technically uh, meaningless uh, in terms of getting a berth into the National Junior A Championship with Brooks hosting. So both teams automatically qualified. But it would be the Bandits kind of turning things on their head against Prince George after losing that Doyle Cup in six games to the Spruce Kings. They end up winning... Uh, their round-robin match against Prince George, and then, uh, of course, uh, the National Junior A Championship final, which was uh, a fabulous game uh, down at the Centennial Regional Arena in Brooks. Uh, I'm sure a lot of folks were able to watch it on the uh, the TSN network, and um, it was really just um, outstanding hockey by, by two uh, elite-level Junior A hockey teams. Well, not surprisingly, the way uh, you described it and the way it played out, that uh, Prince George and Brooks dominated the scoring uh, in the tournament. Outside of Spencer Kirsten uh, from Oakville, uh, he's the only guy from uh, not one of those two teams that broke into the top 10 in uh, in tournament scoring. Um, were there some individual performances uh, by the uh, by the other three teams, not uh, Prince George or Brooks, that uh, caught your attention? That uh, you know maybe we see guys getting drafted or that are already drafted or might hear from down the road that that you think of. 
Well, I, I think of a couple of guys on the Ottawa Junior Senators. They had a 16-year-old in the name of Kyle Jackson. He's going to be off to play in the Ontario Hockey League next year with uh, North Bay. Um, he was uh, he was by far and away the, the, the best forward on, on Ottawa, just 16 years old, like I mentioned. Don't, doesn't turn 17 uh, until October, so he's got one of those late birthdays, so next year won't even uh, be uh, his draft year. Uh, he's definitely going to be a guy to keep an eye on. Just a, a big forward. He's got great finish around the net, uh, a real heavy shot, and uh, seemingly thinks the game uh, quite well. Obviously, just limited viewing for myself watching him play, but I uh, really liked what I saw to the youngster Kyle Jackson and, and their netminder, uh, Francis Boisvert. Um, he was uh, named the tournament MVP for good reason. I, I thought outside of Kyle Jackson uh, on Ottawa, they were um, scrambling a little bit to, to find a consistent offensive attack, but he oftentimes kept them in games in that tournament, and he was uh, uh, certainly a, a real treat to watch for, for the uh, the Ottawa Junior Senators uh, in net. Sustained an injury in their final round Robin game. I think that plagued them a little bit uh, in the semifinal, but uh, a very um, in-control goaltender, a real good movement in the net. Uh, pucks seemed to stick to him, and when they didn't, he was able to battle for it and find loose pucks in around him. So I really liked him. And then uh, a young defenseman on the Portage Terriers. I think we're going to hear a little bit more from him as Owen Murray. He was uh, the Rookie of the Year uh, in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. Had a, a bit of a quiet tournament uh, in terms of offense. Obviously tough for a 16-year-old defenseman in a tournament like that with uh, tons of uh, a real good teams around him uh, to produce offensively. But I think that's going to be a guy... Uh, that we certainly hear about uh, down the road. And I know you didn't uh, want to ask about the, the Prince George team just yet, but i got to keep an eye on certainly ahead of this draft is, is Leighton Ahak, and I'm sure we're going to talk about him a, a little bit more. Yeah, I was going to get to Prince George next. Uh, Dylan Anhorn led the tournament in scoring with eight mm-hmm. points, and then you had Ben Brar and Dustin Manns and Nick Poisson. Is it Poison? Poisson? Uh, he had Poisson. He had uh, six points, though. Those three guys all had six points. Were there some other guys that, that stood out? I, I don't know if any of them are drafted or draft eligible this year but uh, what do you think of Prince George's lineup yeah from the back end we'll, we'll start there actually we'll start in net Logan Neaton he was he was really good it was kind of funny I mentioned Francis Bolivar the goaltender for Ottawa was named the, the tournament MVP but the top goaltender was Logan Neaton of, uh, of Prince George and um, he was really good for them uh, throughout the tournament. wasn't too busy in the round robin, of course, until they met Brooks, and uh, I thought he was really good in that game and very good uh, in the semifinal game they played against Oakville. Uh, he's a guy that's uh, off to the NCAA next year, and I think we might be hearing about him in uh, three or four years' time coming out of uh, school. Um, Leighton Ahak on the back end, he's rated, uh, I think, to go somewhere in the second or third round uh, of this June's draft, so uh, certainly a guy to keep an eye on. He's going to uh, Ohio State uh, I believe uh, as early as next year, uh, had a real good season with 32 points in uh, 53 games for uh, Prince George, played for uh, Canada West at the World Junior A Championship. He's a guy that ticks a lot of boxes. Um, you know, he's, he's good in his own end, but uh, can also uh, bring the offense. I mean, um, in the playoffs alone, he had 17 points in, in 17 games for Prince George. So he's a, he's a pretty electrifying defenseman. Dylan Anhorn, like you mentioned, also a defenseman on Prince George. He led the tournament in scoring, and seemingly uh, every time he was on the ice, he was making something happen in the offensive zone. Uh, gets pucks through really well from the back end, uh, as well as has uh, an exceptional first pass out of his own zone. And then up front, uh, the Poisson brothers, uh, Ben was the captain, the older brother uh, of Prince George, just a, a real good, hardworking forward and uh, a guy that can bring the offense. But uh, younger brother, Nick, he scored a goal in every game of the tournament, six straight games with a goal. He was uh, dangerous every time he, he touched the puck. And, and something that um, uh, you mentioned, a, a guy by the name of Ben Brar, 
six points in the tournament, and maybe something that uh, ended uh, a comeback bid by Prince George in that championship game uh, on Sunday uh, was uh, with the the score. I believe it was uh, it was four one at the time, and Ben Brar ends up getting kicked out of the game for a, a check from behind on Ray Christie and. Um, Prince George obviously able to pull the within uh, one goal of Brooks in that game, but I think they would have had him in the lineup um, for the rest of that game. It could have made a, a real difference, so it was a tough loss for them because he's a, a big body forward who skates really well for a guy of his size. And, and something that sometimes we don't see at the junior level with guys with really good size is sometimes using it effectively. I thought he did. He was able to to protect pucks well and, and kind of power through defenders. So uh, he was a big loss for them because he was uh, a real good player uh, throughout the tournament. Andrew Peard, my guest, uh, recapping the National Junior A Championship uh, that the Brooks Bandits, in the end, uh, defeated uh, Prince George to uh, take the uh, championship this year. 4-3 was the final. Let's look at that Brooks Bandits team. And it's funny because I was looking at the the uh, the scoring in the turn in this tournament compared to the Doyle Cup. Uh, William LeMay, who led Brooks in scoring this year with 90 points, had, uh, I think, no points in the – oh, he had one point in the Doyle Cup, ended up having five at the at, – in this tournament, Tyler Campbell, who led them in the Doyle Cup, uh, was almost, I think he was held off the score sheet or had maybe one point or something in, at the National Junior A Championship. Uh, then you had uh, uh, Luke Bast, no points in the Doyle Cup, ended up leading the tournament and scoring for a defenseman. So this is completely different than the Doyle Cup. Surprising. Yeah, I think that kind of just speaks to the bandit lineup. It's kind of pick your poison, whoever you want to key on. And that's great if you're going to shut down one or two lines of the bandits. The only problem is their other two lines are, are basically, um, you know, first or second lines themselves. So, uh, they, they had tremendous depth and, and it really shone through throughout the course uh, of the tournament. Each and every night, you didn't really know, um, who was going to, uh, to lead their offensive attack, but uh, oftentimes, uh, not oftentimes. I mean, they went undefeated uh, in the tournament. Somebody stepped up and, and provided the heroics um, in the championship game. It was Simon Boyko who, uh, through the opening three games of the tournament, uh, had not uh, factored in and then got uh, hot uh, through the uh, the last game of the round robin into the semifinals and uh, ends up scoring three goals in uh, the last two banded games uh, of the season. Um, you know, you, you look up and down their roster, it's hard to just pick anyone out of that group and, and really key on them because everyone was was such a key contributor even from the affiliate player uh Corson Coolmans who who plays uh in minor hockey this year as he was just 15 in hockey age to start this year uh up here uh, in the Edmonton region uh he gets called up for the, the playoff run gets into some limited action there uh and then in the National Junior A Championship all but uh, one game he plays every game for them and uh, he was outstanding. So for the Brooks Bandits, um, they were the by far the deepest team in this tournament. And uh, with them obviously winning this tournament, I think it's safe to say they're probably the deepest junior A team uh, around in, in the, the country this year. And that's a, a credit to head coach and general manager Ryan Papuano and, and his scouting staff because they did a, a fantastic job of identifying talent throughout the course of the, the off season and bringing guys in. And when you consider they, they really don't make too many in-season moves, uh, that really just shows um, how well they are at, at recruiting, and, and that's obviously the biggest key. And in junior A hockey, where um, I know a few leagues do have drafts nowadays, but uh, for the most part, it's it's basically go out and, and find your own guys, and, and Brooks does it better than anybody. Well, and they certainly go the distance to do it, too, because looking at the roster, I think now the Hockey Canada website has a roster of 26 to 27 guys on it, there's like seven from Alberta. So, I mean, they're going out and finding players from across the country and, and a handful 
of Americans as well. Uh, and we see that with other teams like Penticton, uh, with the V's have always done a good job of recruiting from out of the province as well. But what do you make of that though? Is that, is that a good look for the AJHL to, to have your champion just made up mostly of non Alberta players? Well, when they win the National Junior A Championship, I think the Alberta Junior Hockey League is, is just fine with it. I mean, it, it's a, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you look at it and, and it is called the Alberta Junior Hockey League and, and you, you'd like to think there's, there's plenty of talent here, uh, in Alberta to, to choose from. But uh, at the end of the day, um, Ryan Papawano, he's going to be judged on, on wins and losses. And if he feels that, that he can, have an edge in the, in recruiting, uh, through going to Quebec or Ontario or as far south as Miami, Florida, such as where he found Randy Hernandez, um, you know, the more power to him to, to do so because in junior A hockey, it, it's about, um, like I mentioned uh, earlier, recruiting. And for these staffs, oftentimes, you know, they, they find a niche in, in, in certain regions and, you know, while you hope it's Alberta, the only problem with that is you, you look at a, a team like the Spruce Grove Saints who virtually, um, you know, in, in northern Alberta specifically, basically have uh, the run at uh, the, the top-end Edmonton area players that want to play junior A hockey just because those players get a, a chance to play closer to home and uh, obviously the success that that program has had. And, and it's starting to form a little bit in the south with a, a team like the Okotoks Oilers and the way they've been able to uh, identify talent in and around the Calgary area. And so those are the, the two biggest uh, metro areas for your recruiting. So uh, oftentimes these teams have to go outside the province. Um, Brooks obviously did more than than uh, a lot of teams uh, or all the teams uh, in the league do. But uh, at the end of the day, for, for Ryan Papawano, he's, he's comfortable in recruiting those players. And uh, as long as the rules permit it, um, I don't see why, uh, why uh, he wouldn't uh, – you know, obviously, try and give himself every advantage uh, in doing so. And um, at the uh, the end of the day, uh, it worked for them. They were national junior A champions, and they, and it's a cyclical thing. I, I think we'll see next year. They'll probably have a few more uh, Alberta guys uh, on their roster. Just uh, one of the way the the things worked out for them this year. Andrew, before I let you go, a couple of looking notes uh, we should touch on. Uh, they have signed their first round pick. He was taken 18th overall. Uh, last month in the uh, WHL's Bantam draft, and it's uh, Caleb. I don't know if it's Reimer or Reimer. Do you? I've not uh, had a chance to uh, speak with him. I'm gonna guess Reimer. It's spelled uh, like that, James uh, Reimer, but I don't know. Yeah, that's that's basically all I'm basing it off of is that it's spelled that way, and that's how he says it. But uh, but yeah, big body forward, and um, yeah. you know, it's uh, a, a nice add to the the treasure trove of, of real good prospects. The Oil Kings have. Uh, up and coming and really curious to get a look at him when uh, prospects get going here right away. And the other note for the Oil Kings, uh, they picked up Riley Sawchuk from the uh, the Tri-City Americans. He'll be an overage player next season. Now they, they still have six overage guys on their current roster, now seven with the addition of Riley Sawchuk. First, what do you know about Sawchuk? Uh, with Tri-City, they didn't come here this year, so I didn't get to see him play. Yeah, I only got to, to see him the, the one time and had someone told me that uh, in May the Oil Kings would trade for him, I may have uh, watched him a little bit closer. But, yeah. um, you know, looking at his numbers, I, I think this might be uh, a, a similar thing that we saw the team do last year with, with grabbing uh, Vince Lofskiavo. And, 
And Quinn Benjafield, he, he saw a real uptick in his numbers this year, going from 24 points a couple of years ago to 53 this year. Goal production didn't quite jump up uh, as much as you might imagine. He had 15 goals uh, in that 24-point season, 20 this year. But uh, I think he's a guy that has shown that uh, he's been able to, to raise his game to another level. And uh, a little bit late in his junior career, so the team, I think, banking on him being able to, to find yet another gear as he heads into his uh, his overage season, which will be his uh, fourth full year in the Western Hockey League. And um, if they can find another guy uh, similar to uh, what they did in, in their, three, well, really three 20-year-olds this year, I, I said Benjafield and lost Yavo, but we saw Andrew Fighten come in, and he was everything this team needed and, and a little bit more. So uh, I think hoping to get uh, some of that uh, out of uh, out of Riley Sawchuk, not the biggest guy in the world, but uh, as we're starting to find out, uh, in the game of hockey size uh, really uh, does not mean as much as it used to. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a good acquisition. And, oh, yeah, like you mentioned, ton of 20-year-old decisions to come for this Edmonton Oil King team. I think, um, obviously, they trade for Sawchuck, give up a third-round pick to get him, so you can slot him in, and I yep. would be um, absolutely shocked if Connor McDonald is, is not uh, uh, penned into next year's lineup. So all of a sudden, it's it's down to just one spot left and a lot of good players to choose from. You know, Dylan Miskey, Will Warm, um, you know, Parker Gavlis, who I, I thought really just ha- had resurrected his his uh, Western Hockey League career this year after coming over to the Oil Kings. Um, you know, Trey Fix-Wolanski, I, I think after his performance in the American Hockey League playoffs, we might um, not be uh, seeing him back next year, which yeah. uh, is no surprise uh, to anybody. And Zach Russell, who in and out of the lineup, my guess is that he'll be a guy that'll be moved along at some point. But I mean, geez, you look on the back end with Dylan Miskew and that Will Warm and Parker Gavlis to choose from. Um, boy, oh boy, hard decisions coming for the uh, the management team of the Oil Kings. Really hard decision. And obviously you're going to hold on to Trey fix rights just in yeah. case by chance he gets sent back. And if he does, well, then you've got, I think it's still October 10th or something to, to make a decision uh, and uh, to readjust. And then you, you just, obviously he'd be a guy you keep. Uh, but really, I mean, you can make an argument for to keep Dylan Miskew. You can make an argument to keep Will Warm. You can make an argument to keep Parker Gavlis as well. And, you know, based, I don't know how much of it is based on what you can get for the other guys via trade, uh, or if you're just outright releasing guys. At this point, I'm not sure who, who which of the three guys, uh, that I would keep, which, which three would be my guys. Do, do you know? Like, uh, who would be your three guys? Cause I, I agree with you. Like, Connor McDonald is, is one of them for sure. And they just acquired Sachuk, so he's going to be there. But yeah, I, I'm in the the same spot right now because Dylan Miskew, virtually saving this team season with the you know the injury to Todd Scott to start the year, and and no real uh, idea of what they were going to do with the the goaltending situation. He came in and was uh, an excellent stopgap, and ended up being the team starting goaltender and playing yeah. uh, terrifically in the playoffs after a bit of a hiccup to start against Medicine Hat. So, but but it, I I like what you said about. Maybe it depends on what you can get for these guys. Um, with, with Dylan Miskew, you know, a guy that I would like to, to see back on this team, but it's it's definitely a, a numbers game. If someone has a goaltending issue heading into next year and they come at the Oil Kings with a, a pretty solid offer, it, it's something that they would have to consider. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you're nowhere without a goaltender uh, in the Western Hockey League or any hockey league, so... Uh, you know, I I think right now he'd be the the early candidate. But another thing that's going to come down to is what's Todd Scott's development look like heading into next year. 
how does Sebastian Kosa look heading into next year? So, I mean, the, the decisions and uh, the, the, the reasons behind these decisions still need to be sorted out. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to be uh, certainly uh, an exciting training camp and a nervous training camp for, for a number of Oil King veterans. Andrew, as always, appreciate your time. Uh, looking forward to, are you going to make it to, uh, like, a Oil Kings prospect camp? Uh, when is that? Like, in a, it's in a couple of weeks, isn't it? Yeah, I think so, a couple of weeks from now. And uh, definitely going to be down there, um, uh, you know, going down and doing the National Junior Championship. It shows that I can spend about a week or two away from the hockey rink and then need to get back after it. So <laughs> that'll be another thing to, to fill the void throughout the summertime. Awesome. All right, well, we'll see you down there, and I know uh, you and I and uh, somebody named Low Tide have something coming up on TSN 1260 at the end of June as well. So looking forward to that, buddy. Me as well, Low Tide. Is that his real name, even? I think so. Yeah, hmm. it's on his birth certificate. It's really weird. <laughs> Can't wait, man. Okay, see you later. All right, man. That's uh, Andrew Peard, who was calling games uh, for the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, this past season and might again in 2019-20, I don't think uh, we know exactly yet because we don't know the availability on uh, for Corey Graham. What Andrew and I were alluding to there at the end is uh, the NHL draft coverage, of course, on TSN 1260 this year. I've been doing the draft uh, coverage on the station for the station since 2005. I think it was 2005, maybe 2004. Uh, every year except one year. I don't, I don't, I don't remember exactly which year that was. It might have been. 2014, something like that. Anyway, uh, excited to be part of it again. Not sure exactly the details. I, I know um, there is a bit of a challenge because the Edmonton Eskimos have a game that night. Uh, so there's a pregame Eskimo show on the station. Uh, but clear sailing after that's over. So uh, lots of uh, lots of draft talk that night on TSN 1260 for sure. Myself, Andrew Peard, and uh, Alan Mitchell of the Lowdown with Low Tide. You know him as Low Tide. Unless you're outside the Edmonton market, then you don't know him at all. That's not true. Low Tide is actually a genuinely great guy and uh, one of the most popular bloggers, if you will, in the Oilers blogosphere. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. But uh, going way back to my days with uh, Hockey's Future, he was around on the boards back then and, well, before me. He spun that off into a very successful blog of his own and writes for The Athletic and writes for Oilers Nation. So if you don't know who Low Tide is, I would be shocked. Great guy. Looking forward to doing the draft with him again this year, and Andrew Peard will join us as well. Quickly wanted to remind you about the store next door. It's a company in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia that employs people with disabilities, and they collect as many hockey sticks as they can get their hands on broken sticks. And they take those broken sticks and turn them into some really cool uh, furniture and uh, things like tables and chairs and desks and uh, picture frames and storage boxes, storage bins, shelves, you name it. If you, In fact, if you can think of an idea, uh, they'll listen to the idea and see if they can make it for you. Headboards for beds? It's, it's crazy. Uh, go to the thestorenextdoor.ca, check out their catalog. They'll ship it to you uh, in North America, and uh, I think you're really going to be uh, you're going to feel good about what you've done if you buy something from the store next door. Employing people with disabilities, great cause, and uh, great folks uh, at the store next door. One more segment on this week's episode. It's a 2019 draft spotlight. One of the guys who uh, will be gone fairly early on June 21st on day one of the draft. Dylan Cousins, power forward with the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Hear from him. Next, here on the Pipeline Show.
Now near side, White. Far side, Krebs. Wrist shot. Scores! Peyton Krebs, a wrist shot from the far side and gets by Bailey Birkin. Hey, it's Peyton Krebs from the Kootenai's, and this is the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today.